welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. really just want to encourage you with your, um, in your walk with God that we are uh, looking for those opportunities. The, the doorways are there at different times throughout our day, throughout our week. I shared uh, on the radio with Craig Stevens on Friday. You know, he's this great man of God, runs the Friday 10 a.m. Uh, radio program. And uh, he, he's just so full of uh, stories of encountering uh, people who need an encounter with God and he, I mean, he is a gifted evangelist. So some people are gifted in such a way that you can't emulate what they're doing the same level, but you can certainly glean from them and get an anointing and a touch and encouragement and stirring and you certainly get that when you're hanging around him. I mean, we did this thing in Albuquerque where uh, we went out into a, a, a tough part of town um, and, and had bags of uh, nice fruit presentation and toys for kids and knocked on doors and just said, hello, we're from a local Christian group and, uh, you know, we want to just bless you and is there anything else we can, uh, anything we could pray for? Uh, and, uh, you know, some people say, no, thanks. Most people say, oh, thank you for the fruit and actually you can pray, you know, for my daughter who's got troubles or da-da-da-da, you know, and uh, some people prayed for healing for people and, uh, and it was all cool. And, and we came back and Craig was not going to any of the houses. He was just sort of there by the bus waiting for us to come back, sending us all out, running the thing. Um, but he can't help himself because a car drove past this area uh, and uh, sort of slowed down, looked like they were looking for someone. And I mean, it's this part of Albuquerque, I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad. You probably shouldn't have seen Breaking Bad. But, you know, anyway, it's a tough part of the area. Some people would not approach a car, you know. It's just cruising slowly through the streets. But this car is slowing down. Craig goes over. And I think they might have been looking for directions. I mean, he's from Australia. He's got no idea where anything is. But it doesn't stop him talking to him. Anyway, he says later, oh, yeah, well, I, I had that person in the car driving off, yeah, led him to the Lord. You know, you're like, what? Yeah, they needed the Lord. They just needed an encounter with Jesus and I was just there at the right place. So part of me wants to just punch him because it's like, don't, you know, it's like holy jealousy or something. It's like, yeah. But the other thing is just gleaning from that and thinking, that's awesome. Just, you know, wanting to share your faith. And, um, and even if it's just a, a, a seed sowing, a word, a testimony, something, um, I want to encourage you to keep, uh, that in mind in your you know regular walk with God. So we're looking at Philippians chapter 3. We're going to cover the, the whole chapter, but we're obviously not going to be able to uh, dig into every verse. But I want us to read the first uh, 11 verses. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And Paul's writing, he says, Whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So as you may know, this is a common word popping up in the book, common theme. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. That would be perhaps the, the summary statement of the message of Philippians, you know, because Paul's gone through a lot of tough times, but he's able to keep finding joy in the Lord and encouraging us to do the same. <clears throat> he says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. 
For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. So he's referring to the Judaizers, as they were known. These are Jewish people who purported to be followers of Jesus, had come to an encounter with Christ, but couldn't let go of their Jewish practices and law, and in fact demanded that everyone, even the Gentiles, should follow all these Old Testament practices. They couldn't get their head around what you know, Peter had to encounter in Acts chapter 10 and the vision and how Paul was now a uh, missionary to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people and the non-Jewish world, that the gospel is for everybody. And these Jewish people were like, well, if it is for everyone, okay, but only if you follow all the Old Testament stuff. And Paul is uh, having a go at them, as he does particularly in the book of Galatians. No, that's wrong. You know, um, And he says, what we rely on is what Christ has done for us. Um, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own efforts, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Jesus has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ. I want to experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Wow. So this passage really reveals for us Paul's godly outlook on life, doesn't it? That there's no point pursuing selfish, selfish short-term, earthly pleasures or positions of prominence that he might have had, when instead you can just pursue Jesus and and live with this heavenly perspective while we're here on earth. Because the fact is, Paul had been in a very privileged position. You know, he had studied, he had worked hard, given the opportunities, opportunities that he had that he talks about here, born into Judaism in a good tribe and circumcised correctly uh, according to their rules and regs and and of course, he became a Pharisee. These people were highly respected, highly knowledgeable about Old Testament Jewish laws, um, uh, very uh, well respected. They were devoted to uh, the, the law uh, that the Jewish people followed. And so he had enjoyed uh, you know, a fair bit of status amongst powerful people. And no doubt with that was a bunch of perks and financial gain that he could have got. Um, so today's equivalent would be someone like a professor of law or a vice chancellor at a university. You know, someone who is highly respected and well paid for their position and their hard work. Uh, and yet Paul says, well, it's nothing. He's, he's thrown it all away because 
when he encountered Jesus, he realises, man, I've been self-righteous. I've been relying on my own accomplishments. But then he realised that that wasn't real righteousness at all. Right standing with God, he realises that's only because of the gift of Jesus, the gift of grace that's come that he can get a hold of by faith. And so um, rather than human endeavour and achievements and accomplishments, he's now, oh, wow, just totally aware of God's grace. And, uh, and so now he's pouring his energies not into building up his wealth or reputation or prowess, but building the kingdom of God. And, and he says, whatever the world offers, he says it's just rubbish. Dung, some, the King James translation, uh, you know, calls it. It's just a, a Greek word that, that can be translated, you know, garbage or, or excrement. It's just, you know, rubbish, complete garbage. And he says, that's the best of what the world's got to offer, offer compared to just knowing Jesus, worthless. And notice it's just knowing Jesus, not the benefits not the perks or the blessings that Jesus brings into your life. No, no, just knowing him. So this isn't just, for Paul, it's not just a theological construct or, or nice poetic phraseology or rhetoric. It, this, this is his life. He, this, is, this is what he's, he's writing about what he's living. You know, he's walking with Jesus and there aren't always a lot of perks. You know, he's not, he's not blessed in the way that we might think people are blessed. He writes about every spiritual blessing in Christ, you know, when he writes to the Ephesians. Because Paul, I mean, you could say he had sailed the Mediterranean. Yeah, but not the way we might think of it today, you know. And, and he had been through some tough times. And, and he says that he's taking the good with the bad, the glory and the suffering, because he says, I want to have fellowship, some translations have, in his sufferings, the Greek word koinonia is used there. You know, that's the word we use for fellowship. He says, I want to share in his sufferings. I want to have fellowship. I want to have koinonia with the Lord when I suffer. And we know that when, you know, you suffer alongside someone, you get closer to them. Like, you know, Caleb's forged friends for life because they were forced to do their best times and their one kilometre race around there, <laughs> you know, and yeah. what is this all about? And you have those stories of like, wow, that was crazy and it was difficult, whether it's, you know, physical training or in marriage, we, you know, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. So you make those vows and when you live them out, you draw closer to your partner over the years if you have been through a tough time together. If it's all just a bed of roses, it's like, yeah, but, oh, but when you go through a real challenge and you really have to stand together and support each other, that's good for that relationship. It builds intimacy and, and people get closer. And that's what Paul's talking about. He feels close to the Lord because when he's going through some suffering, he's relating to the suffering of Jesus and he's calling on Jesus to walk with him in that. And we can learn from that too. Because the question is, are we prepared to say the same? Can, you know, are, are you willing to suffer for Jesus? We, we hear that phrase, but what, what does it look like? Or, or that term that, or, you know, do we do a little secret subliminal bargain with God with prayers like, oh God, thank you for saving me um, and I'll be a good Christian, but please don't ever let me suffer. You know, is there something in the back of our head wanting to avoid it? Or, 
Um, oh God, here's my life. Well, well, Lord, here's most of my life, you know. But there's a few parts. If you don't mind, I'm just going to keep. <laughs> I'm just going to keep to myself. I'm not surrendering at all. Most of it. Is that, is that okay? You know, or, uh, or 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 here, God. Oh, here I am, God. Take me, use me, send me. Oh, actually, actually, just on that last point, actually don't send me, please, because I've just heard some bad stories. I, could I just stay where I am in my comfort zone, my neighbourhood? All right, but the, the, the use me bit, yeah, but just the, not the sending, because I've, you know. So they're kind of this, you know, subliminal prayer that comes out of the fear, I think, of what surrender looks like. Because if people like Paul, are just laying it all on the line and saying, I'll go anywhere, do anything, suffer with you, for you. I just think I'm not up for that. And I, I just think, no, I, surely if I give all to God, he's going to make my life miserable. He's going to send me to deepest, darkest Africa. I'm going to you know, die as a flea-bitten, sad, old, poor missionary in a jungle. You know, I just, that's the image of that, you know, sort of, ultimate Christian and and okay two things first of all that's probably not going to happen <laughs> if you surrender your life to Jesus but secondly even if it does that's okay that's more glorious in the big scheme of things to be a David Livingston or a CT Stud or a Mary Slesser all missionaries who did die in Africa and did suffer but I tell you they're not suffering now they're in glory, you know, and uh, and so and it wasn't just in the far distant past that people did go and lay their lives down on the mission field in martyrdom sometimes. And I came across um, recently a, a reflection on Graham Staines. You may remember this name, Aussie missionary. He and his wife Gladys, uh, they met in India, where they were both missionaries. They married. Uh, in 1983 and they served there for the next 15 years running a hospice um, for leprosy victims and people suffering with that and they also had three children along the way and then in 1998 there was a lot of unrest, um, extremists rising up against foreign influence including Christian missionaries and as you may remember, tragically, in January of 1999, Graham and his two sons, Philip, who was 10, and Timothy, who was only seven, were forcibly trapped in their car while it was set alight. And they uh, were burned to death. And people nearby were kept from helping them by these, this, this mob of extremists. So the perpetrators were found uh, and uh, convicted, sentenced to life in prison. And, you know, you would expect that Gladys Staines would suffer the scars of that for the rest of her life. She'd get out of the country. She'd never be able to forgive them. Uh, and yet she issued a statement after their prison sentence was announced. And it said, um, I have forgiven the killers. I have no bitterness because forgiveness brings healing. And our land needs healing from hatred and violence. And she loved that. She'd been there long enough that she... Call it our land. The Bible teaches you to forgive had not Jesus set the example. So she even stayed on and she continued the ministry with her 
surviving child, her daughter, alongside her. Five years later, she was described as the best-known Christian in India after Mother Teresa. So that's, that's the deal about martyrdom, isn't it? That there's glory for God as a result of a believer's death. Not every believer's death is you know, considered martyrdom, but a martyr really, I guess you could define that as a, usually a pretty dramatic death, but one that certainly somehow brings glory to God even beyond their, their suffering. She was also awarded the, the Padma Shri. Where's Rashita? She would tell us what that means. It is one of the highest civilian awards you can receive. Uh, she was given uh, donations as a result of that award, which she used to transform the clinic that they'd set up into a full-blown hospital. In 2015, so that was five, five years later, she was given that award. Um, 2005, about 10 years beyond that, 2015, she was also awarded the Mother Teresa Memorial Award for Social Justice. And she has since said this, people ask me why I haven't left my faith. Why would I leave Jesus Christ though? who has been my helper and sustainer. God has been my rock and my fortress, even before Graham died. I know that God has been there with me. I've never doubted. He's been there with us. I've been thankful for that. Oh, so now she's back in Australia, and here's a photo of her taken only a couple of years ago with her daughter, Dr. Esther, can't remember her last name, but that's the son-in-law and their daughter. So there's Gladys on the left and they're standing in front of a billboard for a film that was made about them uh hollywood film and the least of them i think it's called because that's the beginning of the this title there ha huh. so why do i tell you all that because that's suffering but it's got that tinge of glory and greatness on it you know and so there's suffering some christians in church history sadly have have suffered beyond God's will, almost chased it down and then sort of turned it into some spiritual trick and made it look like, well, this is part of the, the journey. It's like, no, 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 you don't have to make suffering happen and therefore consider yourself deeper and more spiritual. But neither should you just run away from every circumstance that might lead to some tough times because when we do suffer, it can draw us close to the Lord and can bring glory to him when we get through it. Um, which leads on in this passage, what Gladys Staines has done about carrying on relates to what Paul says when we read on about pressing on, or my Bible has the title, Pressing Toward the Goal. In verse 12, look at that. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Come on, got to get that into your bones, get that into your spirit, yeah? Be someone who presses on, not runs away. I mean, I can't help but think of Bob Dylan's song when I read that. And in fact, I started, when I was teaching on Philippians recently at a Bible college, I started off without thinking, singing. Do you know the song? To, I'm present on, 
to the higher calling of my Lord. You know this song? Come on, you know, and you know the words. People say, uh, you know, what, oh, what are they? Oh, I can't remember the words. Anyway, I keep pressing on, on and on. He's got the band back up. Pressing on to the higher calling. Anyway, I start singing my best Bob Dylan nasally thing. And, and the, the, the Bible college, you know, sort of polite, you know, laughter, you know. But there's one woman at the front, young, young girl, and she literally went and covered her mouth with her hand and her eyes, and she just looked so shocked. And I thought, okay, okay, sorry, you know, obviously you can do a better Dylan impersonation. I said, you do know who Bob Dylan is, right? And she'd never heard of Bob Dylan. So she thought, well, not only is this weird, I don't know who you're trying to be weird about, you know, because I think I'm doing Dylan and people who know Dylan would know that he's got a famous, you know, nasally kind of unique voice and incredible lyrics. And you can look that song up and get a better version of it, and believe it or not, than what I was providing. Um, But, you know, when he became a born-again Christian in about 1979, you know, he had a few albums that just articulated so many great, Christian thoughts and theology um, with the gift that he's got, you know, with word, uh, poetry and songwriting. Anyway, this young girl, she was shocked and I was disappointed then. I was like, no wonder you're shocked. You don't even know who Dylan is. I sent her from the room, of course, saying, uh, you go and study and figure out who Bob Dylan is. What a disgrace. And if you don't know who Bob Dylan is, Chris, after the service, really loud in the courtyard, forget this Christian modern music, uh, just get Dylan up there, loud, yeah. Um, maybe not all of his songs, just yeah, a few select ones. So anyway, Paul, back to the Bible, pressing on. So let's make sure we're pressing on, whether it means going off to glory like Graham Staines, which is unlikely that you are going to get you know, mobbed and murdered this afternoon, but it might be a, a, a little bit sometimes, just a little, like Gladys. Again, probably not carrying on the way she had to, but Gladys Staines, following, serving the Lord, uh, oh, having seen her husband and children, you know, murdered and then forgiving. I think, well, Flip, surely I can forgive that idiot that pulled in front of me on the freeway or, you know, your pastor. Just hypothetically speaking, or someone in your life that doesn't do what you like, you know? I, that's a hypothetical. I can't possibly imagine how I could do anything wrong. But anyway, um, just store that up. If, it ever ha- if I ever do anything wrong, ever, you know? Then, um, so, uh, look, the past can be great. He, you know, you can remember, you can reminisce about the good times. That's cool. You can reflect and learn from the bad times. So that's important, especially if the bad times were your doing <laughs> and you made a mistake that led you down there and you think, all right, well, I'll learn from that and don't do that again. But you can't live in the past, can you? And, and there's a limit to how much we should look back because it can just be that rose-coloured glass of the glory days and you're just reminiscing so much that you're just not embracing today. Or some people are stewing over something that has built bitterness into them, over some past hurt, some past injustice, and they won't let it go. And so the fact is we're here now, today, and tomorrow is coming quickly. And so let's look that way. And that's what Paul's saying here. Let's lean into the future, press on, focusing on what's ahead. And um, 
uh, you know, for Paul, it, you know, pressing on didn't just mean, oh, I'm going to get through the week, so I've got the weekend, you know, or I'm pressing on because I'm saving my money for that Mediterranean holiday. Like I said, he had sailed the Mediterranean, but not as we might imagine. No, he's pressing on with the Lord to be with the Lord, ultimately just to be in his presence and to go off into glory. And, uh, and so when you keep reading, if we go down to, well, let's read, what's the next few verses, please, Kath, there? We'll just read through it. Let, here we go. We'll get on to uh, citizens of heaven because he's talking about ultimately pressing on. But we'll read, we might as well can read the whole chapter. Let all who, this is what, verse 15. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. So if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. I love that. So, you know, if you mature, maturity brings agreement, a spirit of agreement. We talked about that yesterday in our men's connect with the Philippians thing, you know, about um, considering others better than yourself. And Les made the good point of humility brings people together because you don't then force your opinion on someone else's. You hear their opinion and even if you disagree, you let it be aired. You don't have to fight back straight away. Ah, and so there's this spirit of agreement comes that we grow into as we mature in the Lord. Uh, thank you. And then keep going. Verse 16, is it? But we must hold on to the progress we've already made. And then verse 17, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Learn from those who follow our example. So we, again, learn from people. And we've preached this over the years about the benefits and blessings of being in the church of Godly people where you can learn from others. I've told you often before and I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. But so, so just on that, obviously he's, he's having a go at people who are very short-sighted uh, who are only thinking about life here on earth and focusing on physical pleasures and uh, comparing that to how we should live, which is having a more of a heavenly perspective. So that's an easy trap, isn't it? Especially when we have a lot of physical enjoyment going on in our world. I mean, Caleb, I thought it was pretty cold last week or so. Winter, I thought it, it came with a bang. It's like, oh, July, June the 1st, this is the beginning of winter, it's freezing. Caleb's up here in a t-shirt saying, I love your winters. <laughs> wow, this is nothing. Luxury. And so it's all relative. As bad as we think it is, it's really not that bad. Uh, we have a wonderful place to live. What a great country. Great, you know. And so that's good to enjoy as long as it's not our main focus and we don't lose sight of heaven, which is what he gets onto. Because we read on, um, but where is that verse? 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies. Oh, come on, now we're talking. After 50, this is becoming more and more relevant. You know, change them into glorious bodies. What did I say about the good old days and the glory days? <laughs> a friend of mine, who's, he's my age, late 50s, and he sent me a clip of an intercept try that he had a video of from the early 80s that he took. We played rugby together and uh, he was a really good rugby player and, uh, and he's not boasting to the whole world, he's just sending it to me, you know, and, uh, and he's 
doing it tough at the, at the moment and, and uh, he'd obviously had time to look at stuff and, and I gave him the running commentary on the clip that he sent me. You know, the intercept, wow, the step, he scores. It was amazing. And he really was. He took this great intercept and dodged and ran the length of the field, scored a try. You know, well, that's cool as long as that's not your whole life, you know, living there back in the – because – and I think this is good for our spirit as we get older – of course, we want to stay strong and healthy, but you do notice a few little <laughs> creeks and you can't quite run as fast as you used to. And that's all right. That's just a reminder that this tent has a limit, you know, to its, its – it has a use-by date. Um, the Lord knows exactly um, when that is. Uh, and so he will, praise the Lord, take our weak mortal bodies, change them into glorious bodies. Come on. <laughs> Everyone over 50 said, Amen. Glorious bodies, you young whippersnappers. You don't know what I'm talking about. Just enjoy it while you can. Um, and uh, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. So, you know, as I said, Australia is an amazing country. It's as good as any country on earth. But it's not perfect. And that's okay. In fact, it's really good when things aren't perfect because... Although it's nice to be a citizen of Australia or New Zealand, you know, or maybe you're a citizen of another country, New Zealand, close second. Um, you know, at Federation, you guys were nearly a state. You know, when, so, yeah, just keep that in mind, you know. But, uh, uh, but you know, the fact is, it's okay. We're, we, we're actually meant to feel a little bit out of place here on earth. We're just visiting it's like when you go to another country. You know, as much as I enjoyed my time in America, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. You know, you, you just have that sense of, oh, this is home. But then home isn't all it's cracked up to be as well. It's like, well, this is as good as it gets, but it's still not perfect. That's okay because we're not just a citizen of our natural country. We're a citizen of a supernatural country, yeah? We're citizens of heaven, and that's where we're really... And the weird thing is, it's not like we're going back to a place we know. We're going ultimately to a home that we haven't yet been to. And this is the faith journey. You know, so Dorothy, she got to say there's no place like home when she got back to Kansas. Wizard of Oz, old enough, 1939, first movie in colour. Um, so, you know, she went to Oz and it was all colourful and that was all great and all that, but she enjoyed going back. The challenge for Christians is, as much as the world, Oz, you know, has to offer... Uh, our home isn't even going back to what we know. Our home is in the future. Our home is, but we have a taste of heaven, don't we? Because we have the kingdom of heaven within us and we know the Lord and he's leading us and revealing things to us. And that's why we love the scriptures and be with God's people and the experience of worship because that places us in, a, in an awareness of the presence of God that we'll ultimately experience more fully. So that's the ultimate goal. So... From this, let's be strong in the Lord and be prepared to suffer with him if and when needed. Amen. Let's keep pressing on, looking forward to what's in the future, what God has for you. The best days are yet to come, they say. It's a cliche, but it's scripturally based on truth. Philipp uh, uh, Proverbs 4, 18, or is it 23? Forgive me. Anyway, you can look it up and correct me over coffee. But Philippians chapter... The book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Uh, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter and brighter till the full light of dawn. That's, the, your, that's your journey. And that's 
regardless of the, the body. Like the body, forget the glorious bodies, you know, it, you'll get a new one anyway. It's the spirit. Your life's getting better all the time. So that's good to hold on to. And let's live as citizens of heaven, yeah? Have a heavenly perspective, knowing where our home lies ultimately. Amen? Praise him. All right, let's pray. God, I thank you for the call of God on everyone here today. We are called by you to glory, to heaven, to an incredible future in your presence. When you come back or when we slip through death into eternity beforehand. But in the meantime, Lord, we want to live with realisations that Paul had, perspective on life, passion for you, willingness to put up with some challenges with you, walk through the valley with you, encourage others along the same way. And I pray we'd all be able to apply that to our lives. Touch every life here today. Strengthen us, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we lean into you, make time available in our schedule for you to meet with us. We study your word, open our hearts to you. Let the presence of God, let the anointing come from the Holy Spirit to help us achieve these things, to be strong in you, suffer if we need to, get the right attitude and perspective on life. I pray you touch on every life here today. Amen. You know, just just keep your eyes closed, church. Just bow your heads. And if you're at home, you're watching this, just want to encourage you. If you don't know Jesus personally, you really need to and you can. That's the essence of being a Christian. The Christian faith is all about a relationship with Jesus, not a set of rules, not just being part of a churchy Christian club. A relationship with Christ is possible. And you can, you know, the Bible says He's knocking on the door of your heart. You can open that door door up by simply praying a prayer that lets him in by turning from the life you've lived and turning to him and say Lord let me live with you I want to follow you forgive me for my sin from what I've done wrong and help me to follow you just pray that prayer if that's you and then if you're here in the building talk to me or someone afterwards we give you some literature if you're watching online you can send us an email or contact us and we'll help you follow the Lord just make that prayerful decision give your life to him or maybe you're coming back to him just pray Jesus coming back to you need you help me to follow you in a fresh new way thank you for saving me Amen We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.